Hi, I'm Vicky Hudson-Craig. Welcome to my podcast, Melanoma Heart. I invite you to join me as I navigate living with stage 4 melanoma. I hope to raise awareness of melanoma and to show that living with a terminal illness does not have to be a sad story. Following initially the acronym of melanoma, I will introduce you to some of my friends as we have heart-to-heart chats dealing with life and cancer. As we share heartfelt moments over a wine or a coffee, they will ask me how I deal with my illness. Me and my heart have had some adventures. Come along for more as I make every moment count. Laugh and cry with me as I face normal life aspects from a different perspective. Hi, I'm Vicky. Welcome to Melanoma Heart. This is the first episode starting with M for motherhood. And I'd like to welcome my friend Sarah. Hi, Hi. thank you for having me in here. That's all right. Thank you for coming along. (laughs) Sarah and I have, over the last couple of years, forged a really good friendship through our daughters, um, Ruby and Ivy. And they go to school together. And as a result of many coffees, wines and school pickups, we have chatted about all things being a mum. But there are things about being a mum that are different for me, and um, I've wanted to explore some of those with another mum and just have a chat through how we deal with those difficult aspects of a child, whether we've got a terminal illness or not. Some mm. of the things are the same, and it's such a pleasure to have you with me. Oh, thank you. Do you know, I was thinking about this morning and getting ready for this, and I was sitting here and I'm trying to scratch off the last two nails of a pedicure that I haven't managed to um, get, you know, go in and get fixed and I'm dishevelled because I fell asleep in the car and you had to knock on the window <laughs> and that is because I had a child that that's was waking motherhood. up too and that is motherhood, yes. Um, and that's that's what you're going through plus you're living with a terminal illness and we have so many laughs and you know you're such a social butterfly that sometimes people I know I do and sometimes I think people forget that you are actually living with a terminal illness as well yeah Um, and I do think it changes um you know how you live your life day to day I mean the the routines are the same and the the late nights are the same and the tantrums are the same Mm. but the perspective um I think that comes from living with something hanging over your head all the time not necessarily for some people it's it's different illnesses or different situations but for us it's that um it's this illness which affects so much of how I live my life these days and particularly around Ruby and and being her mum I can't even begin to imagine you know like we we rocked up to school once and one morning and the girls had both would been trying to do this rushed reading with them beforehand, and I said I threw the drink bottle, and you said you threw the book, and then they were kind of looking at each other because <laughs> the teachers like bent down and said to the girls, you know, you don't, it doesn't matter, it can tell you all week to read it. And so, you know, there's so many of those things, or navigating the the girls, and you know, they're five, so they're learning to regulate their own emotions. We're going through that stage of motherhood that so many are of our generation of learning ourselves to regulate our own emotions. Mm. And I know myself... Or balancing work and commitments. And, I was just yeah. going to say that. I know for me, you know, when I've got so my, so many commitments on, I tend, my fuse is a lot shorter. Yeah. Um, and it's got nothing to do with her. It's me and how I've handled that day or what I've been through. So how do you 
yeah how do you regulate your own emotions with this how do you make sure that if you've had a day where you've had an MRI or a CT you've received information from your doctor how do you then walk through the door and go terminal illness Vicky is outside and yeah. I'm going to come in as Ruby's mum yeah, because she knows really, yeah it is really it is hard um I'm not going to lie and I, both Ryan and I find it hard you know we're both we're stressed we're frightened we're going through so many emotions ourselves when dealing with um cancer um at whatever level mm. you know um so we're already here when you know and then you're starting off with um with a five-year-old who's trying to as you say navigate her own emotions and you're having to rein it back and really come down to her her level and remember that you've got to um you've got to hold it together for her um and I think um it's something that being so I'm so aware of it and so um one of my core objectives um is that she has this innocent childhood and Mm. she's not affected by the bigger implications of what's happening and I think that because that is so much at the forefront of my mind um it really does affect how I talk to her and I do manage not all the time (laughs) (laughs) because (laughs) five-year-olds are are hard work um but I do um try to see it through her eyes and you know when she is not wanting to read or not wanting to leave the house or however her um difficulty that day is manifesting yeah. itself the socks feel weird so the shoes can't go on <laughs> the peanut so the butter's like, on the wrong yeah, side all or, those normal motherhood things yeah yeah um and trying to not let my level of stress dictate how I react yeah. reaction is everything mm-hmm. and as long as I remain calm and you know bend down on one knee and say to her you know what's wrong what why and and listen to her response then I find that that works better um and i and it tends to bring me back down from from my level of stress Mm. and focus on how she's seeing it yeah which certainly does help but it's hard yeah (laughs) so within our you actually said before that we'd known each other two years do you know it's only actually just been one year oh really we've (laughs) formed such a great friendship and we live in such a tight little bubble of a community that those friendships do grow so quickly they do um and for anyone listening who doesn't isn't aware so you've had family and friends in the UK and family and friends in New Zealand who have already done a lot of fundraising for you previously yeah um and then the way that the the heart trust actually formed was we had gone for a deep cold dip on a Friday with a bunch of mums from school And the other thing I guess about our community is that there's so many entrepreneurs and businesswomen and so you sat around this table having a coffee afterwards with, you know, five five or six women and when you said how much your medication is a month, you just had all of these powerful women go, No, that's not a that's not right. What can we do to help? Yeah. Um but also what we can do, you know, what they could do to help with Ruby and yes. and the situation and the support. And I think yeah. that was, um, although practical side with the funding is um, one thing one and it's, it. you know, so amazing, the community response. But the, the support and the help with 
with Ruby has just mm. been um, overwhelming. You know, all the offers of, can we take her to school when you've got appointments? You know, all those things of juggling, mm. um, which when you're trying to juggle work and parenting and yeah. all those practical things are really hard. Yeah. And, and having that support of your friends and your um your community yeah makes it so much easier and you'll know too like when you're trying to get to work or meetings yeah. and so on that you're reliant um on people helping yeah. as well and that's something we we have done. in common exactly and, and we help each, each other, other. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and i think although we kind of all went in and drove this thing of like how can we help you and and i know you and ryan said you feel like you previously had you know you're like oh we've already asked all these people and we don't feel like we can keep asking the same people but automatically in that motherhood community you had all these new people that were like well we haven't done that what can we do to help and i think i'm in a really unique position today where i do get to sit here and ask you lots of questions that probably women in our community and other mums haven't maybe felt that they could ask you directly yeah because this has happened so organically and naturally you haven't stood on a stage with a microphone and said this is what I'm going through yet this is what I need (laughs) it's just organically happened so I think this is probably a really good opportunity for me to ask some questions around what parameters you've put in place as a family unit to protect Ruby what Mm. where's that conversation limit for her so what what's the knowledge that she has around what you're going through and does she know that it's terminal um no no. so tell (laughs) us a little bit about that so I think um one of the things I've said to you quite a few times is my priority is that she has a normal childhood and she doesn't grow up with any anxiety around losing me or um or facing the future without me. Because yeah. that, that's something that I am living with a terminal illness, but we don't actually know how long that is. You know, yeah. there's no, no one can say it's a, a week, a month, a year, 10 years. And so in many respects, I'm no different to, to you or anyone else. No, none of us know no. how long we've got. Um, so I think trying to keep that at the forefront of my mind so that we're not putting any alarm bells into her head or trying to have a conversation with her that's over her understanding and her um where she needs to be you know she she's a five-year-old she needs to be thinking about where we're going to go for the weekend what what's happening at school who her friends are she doesn't need to be thinking is my mum going to be here in a year you know Mm. so our narrative very much has been um to tell her what she needs to know, what she sees. So she sees me taking medication. Yeah. That's okay. Like, w- we tell her that I've got a poorly heart, that I need medication to keep me healthy. It's no different to when she's unwell. She takes, you know, mm-hmm. whatever medicine she needs. So I think, um, and she understands that. Yeah. If I have to go into hospital, she understands it's connected and the doctors will look after me and they'll make me better. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'll come home. Yeah, and at the moment that's all she needs. If things progress and and I'm getting more unwell, then that's a different story. Yeah. Um, but very much we keep it in the presence for her and make sure that she grows up with an innocence of childhood that she she deserves. She doesn't. Yeah. 
she didn't need to be frightened with things we don't know yeah exactly and I think because we're so close now we've had that that question has come up between us naturally and then that's the information that I give Ivy so that nothing slips out of yeah, context in yeah. front of I, in front of Ruby. So if anyone listening was thinking of this and thinking how what's the best thing to tell my child that I guess is that, yeah. that you yeah. do have a poorly heart and, yeah. and a lot of the fundraising <clears throat> that we're doing in the community is to raise money for your medication and you're quite comfortable with that as yeah, I mean we've had to be because we yeah. can't we can't do it privately. You know, yeah. we don't have the means to do it. So we've had to go public um in that sense. Yeah. Um which, you know, maybe I wouldn't have chosen to do yeah. had that not been the the position. But um yeah, certainly going public does have that you don't know what conversations are happening in other households and yeah. um and there was an instance where you know, mm-hmm. someone said to Ruby, is your mum dying? Um, <laughs> which, say Ruby's I'm gone. laughing, it's not funny. <laughs> but, um, you know, in the five-year-olds are funny and her response was brilliant in that she completely misunderstood and thought that they meant because I wasn't there. So she said, mummy, they said that you died. And I told them, no, you've just gone sailing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's the, yeah, that's that gentle innocence of a five-year-old. Yeah. And that goes back to that point. She actually, like you said, doesn't need to know anything else at this yeah. point. And that's something that, yeah, you and Ryan as a family will make that decision when you're ready to. Yeah. And, and I, I think th- she came back and she told me that story because she wanted the reassurance that that was yeah. the truth. You know, yeah. like, so I said, well, of course I haven't died, darling. I'm here. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and um, and you could see she she laughed about it. And she yeah. was like, hey, you know. Um, but you could see this kind of, she was checking. Yeah, you know, I think that's really nice <laughs> and shows the level of who you are as a mum to even acknowledge that. Mm. That actually in that moment, yes, she had a great comeback or answer at the time with the other child, but that her coming back to you to say that was her needing your reassurance and I think that's really nice that you that you see that in her yeah I think we've always um and it's something my mum commented on actually we actually have always spoken to Ruby um not as an adult but we've never babyfied things for her um and I've never spoken to her in a very childish way so if she asked me a question I've always tried to give her a truthful answer yeah um insofar as i think that she's capable of understanding it mm. um you know she asked me once if i was going to die um which is and was a complete age and stage question yes. but um like a dagger to the heart for you yeah excuse the pun but. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was and um i i realized afterwards that it was a completely natural question for her um, at her age, which I'm sure you've had similar from Ivy, yeah. But in the in the moment when she asked it, I completely freaked out because I thought that she had um, picked up on something, or she thought that I was going to die. Mm. But actually, when I sort of pulled myself back together and just said, "Well, we all die," you know, yeah. one day, and she was completely reassured by that yeah. answer. She was like, "Oh, okay then. Yeah, yeah that's all right then." And um, and that was the real trigger for me that you can answer honestly, calmly, mm. and she will, or children will completely pick up on your reaction. And yeah. had I kind of bawled my eyes out and said, mm. oh my, yes, darling, you know, like... Yeah, you know, exactly. She would have got upset and anxious, whereas actually... Yeah. 
it was just just a life question yeah exactly can you tell me and anyone listening a little bit about your journey to motherhood had you always yeah. wanted to be a mum were you really maternal um depending on who you ask <coughs> that question <laughs> um I would say that uh I had I'd always wanted to be a mum I didn't yeah. think it was going to be part of my journey um my mum will tell me that Ruby's the child I always wanted um, <laughs> but um she obviously knew me better than I did um but so yeah back in 2013 when I um was first diagnosed with melanoma they the medication was not what it is now and the knowledge was certainly not um not there back then and I was told um you know that I really shouldn't get pregnant certainly not within the first couple of years yeah um because of melanoma traveling through the body apparently can cross the placenta um all sorts of things that were kind of unknown in my age group at that time um so i really thought that was it um that i wouldn't be a mum and then i moved to new zealand in 2015 and met ryan six months later um um then completely unplanned we had ruby and you know the stars completely aligned for her you know she came along and as it turns out it was almost immediately before I went into menopause and then the cancer coming back so I really do feel like she was meant to be be. yeah did did that scare you so when you first found out you were pregnant did your mind were you just like wow celebration mode or did your mind go back to you know it didn't go back actually um because by that point um so that was early 2017 um you know it had been four years Mm. um coming up to four years since the original melanoma and i'd had no recurrence no more moles of that was suspect or no reason to think that it had ever gone any further than that original mole yeah so um it didn't actually and i was um when i got over the initial shock (laughs) um you know really excited to to become a mum and and to go yeah. through that journey you know without any worry yeah. um and it were you know generally that had you know it's been the happiest time of my life and still is yeah. you know like yeah um I don't have um you know people say to me oh you know it's really sad what's happening and in it it is but I, I'm the happiest I've ever been you don't Um, live in a bit a bubble of sad no do you totally and I think anyone that knows you knows that you do just grab life and run with it and I think a big thing that we're learning these days is to be the best mum that we can we have to fill our own cup with the things that make us happy and smile and feel light and yeah um and you have some real passions in your life that you fill your cup with yeah Tell me or tell anyone listening what, <laughs> what some of your favourite things to do are. That hopefully, you know, I think the other piece of that is while you're filling your cup, you're showing your child that that, that is important. Yeah, well, there's so many aspects to it. I mean, we're going back to, the, you know, that being frightened and anxious myself mm. and, and, and Ryan is too, and finding those ways to calm ourselves down from what's happening yes. so that we are better parents for Ruby also showing her that no matter what life throws at you you can still have fun you know you can still enjoy life yeah even if it's looking at being shortened or it's 
it's full of things that are stressful and sad you can still park that and mm. and have fun and also like one of the um one of the hardest things for me in this journey of, of the cancer journey has been dealing with the prospect of not seeing ruby grow up mm. and um i can talk about this now but mm. going back you know a year or two i wouldn't have been able to have this conversation without bursting into tears because yeah. i just thought i wouldn't even see her start school i didn't think i would be here for so many things in her life um and so creating those memories with her has been um one of my driving factors but um in terms of yeah the stuff we love to do it's you know i love to uh, sailing um do that at least try and do that at least once a week going to the beach being outdoors just i think any opportunity that comes my way or our way i'll grab yeah and i won't say no i might not like it and i might not do mm-hmm. it again but i'll certainly give it a go and yeah. um and i hope that that um not only as i said builds those memories for ruby but also teaches her such valuable lessons that mm. really um you can make the most of out of any situation yeah i love it we joke and ryan jokes as well that you you know if he says it's on my bucket list and you're kind of like guilted into like giving something a go with it <laughs> so there's you've got such I a nothing better than guilting everyone <laughs> into being <laughs> it's on my bucket list we have to do it we are oh, okay but i think um i think that also pulls another part in which i think ultimately is, is you being such a great role model to ruby and however many years down the track, I think she'll turn back and look at her childhood and see those things about you and and remember you laughing. Yeah. I don't think she'll remember a lot of tears or... And I th- a big part of that is black humour. <laughs> and you are very funny about things and you almost give other people a permission to kind of have a bit of a laugh and, and see the brightest I side. also frighten people <laughs> because they don't know how to react <laughs> when I start laughing about... Yeah, having cancer, which is not at all funny, but um, I, I guess it's the way I I yeah. lighten the load is that yeah. you know I look at the positives and I look at the the fun that we can have um, mm. as a result of it. And yes, sometimes the humour is very dark, but um, yeah, that's yeah. As I say, I, my core driver in life is how Ruby remembers me, yes. and. I'm so glad that you said that she'll remember my laughter or yeah. remember those happy days because that's what I want. Yeah. You know, I don't want her to remember me stressed and I don't want her to remember me lying on a sofa being unwell and all mm. of those things. I want her to be able to picture me laughing and sailing and roller skating <laughs> and yeah. tap dancing and whatever other crazy ideas um, yeah. are on this week. And she will. She <laughs> definitely will. Do you think that that makes you, or your diagnosis makes you, in a sense, a better mum? Because you're slowing time no, down. I do, <laughs> I do not think most days that I am a good mum. <laughs> I think each and every one of us spends every day thinking that we, we're yeah. not doing enough of yeah. something, whether it be not enough reading or not enough yeah time together um i think it gives me a different perspective still there yeah the mum guilt's (laughs) always there um i think it gives me a different perspective that um 
I really have honed in on how she sees things yeah, and how yeah. her life is through her eyes. Yeah. And whether that be, like I said before, you know, you're screaming to get out the door and they're just not putting their shoes on and you <laughs> don't know <laughs> how to physically get her out of the house. Yeah. Just to drop to your knees and look her in the eyes and say, "What? what's wrong? Why? Yeah. Why don't you not want to put your shoe on (laughs) why is your sock on the wrong way and actually the answer that comes back usually is there's some reason behind that behavior and I think sometimes we're all guilty of um, time pressures and trying to get out the door and trying to be at work on time Mm. and not listening and um, and not seeing what life what that looks like to yeah to our child so I do um one of the things that I'm quite proud of with how Ryan and I are dealing with this situation is that we do take a step back and and look at it through her eyes. And that really does change your perspective on, on life in general. Yeah, I love that. So I'm quite proud of that one. You should be. <laughs> Thank you. So with the type of medication you're on, it's unfunded in New Zealand. And if you were to go back to the UK it is funded yeah and this is a question I know we've discussed and um your reasoning behind why you would stay here is actually so driven by motherhood and I think Mm. it's really important to actually cover that in this first podcast because this first episode because it really does answer that question in one little bubble of motherhood. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about why you've made that decision um, and also how the fact mm. that it's not um, life-saving but life-prolonging and mm. how Ruby has been at the centre of you making that decision for your family. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a hard um, position to be in where you could move and life would be so much easier Mm. um, in terms of um, obtaining the medication and you know uh, it's just funded so you know the the perception is that you can just move and get it which is um, not strictly true (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know people's perception is oh well just just get on a plane and go home yeah Yeah. Um, and there's so many aspects to this um, and I could do a whole episode probably on it um i mean the the fundamental basically is we can't afford it you yeah. know it, it's not cheap to move to the other so side of the world expensive. yeah and it would have cost you know ten, 10 months medication mm. just for us to actually move back to get it funded and the drugs may not actually work that long so we could go through all of the process of moving and then the drugs stop working um so that's one aspect but taking it back to the theme of this podcast and the motherhood aspect you know to uproot a child um is is hard um you can do it by choice and they do adapt they will but how long that adjustment takes you know i could spend the rest of the days i've got or healthy days i've got helping her adjust yeah exactly whereas at the moment we're able to live um, and enjoy life and um, give her everything that I've, 
we feel is best for her right now i mean things may change and um you know there's the argument that what's best for her is to have her mum and that's true it is yeah um, but that's not an option in your case in the same not sense in the long yeah all of us have. you know yeah. if, if well. this was a cure mm-hmm. um you know you'd look at things differently and you'd say okay you know we'll go and we'll go through the hard bit and then yeah. we can just carry on with life yeah afterwards exactly. but <clears throat> this isn't like that this is just prolonging time and giving us time it's yeah. not going to make these lumps go away and it's not going to change the outcome at the moment i mean medicine changes pretty fast mm. so you know if it does yeah, great which is what we're all hoping yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know to to try and find the money to move and then also you know the mental side of moving for anyone you, mm. you've done it um, yeah, it's huge. It, it, it's massive, and you you're trying to deal with cancer. You're trying to, you know, the, the drugs aren't easy to take. There mm. there are side effects and things, and you're trying to apply for jobs and look at visas and look at schools and homes and you know starting everything from scratch again mm. is hard. It's mentally hard, and to try and do that while dealing with the mental load of cancer and motherhood and yeah yeah. it's just one step too far at the moment yeah Um, it's not to say it won't change but yeah certainly um and and ruby you know she's just started school she's Mm. settled she's happy she's got amazing friends um and it goes back to that anxiety and wanting her to give her the best childhood and at the moment that's here yeah and so we'll make you know we need to make sacrifices in a different way for the time being and even moving itself in itself isn't great for your that would take a physical toll yeah. on your health anyway. So yeah. and no. you've got to change oncologists and you know, you yeah. like you've built up a, a relationship with your with your specialists and mm. and it's very hard, you know, we, we did go back to the UK and we did speak to other specialists to try and see whether there were ways that we could um access the drugs um because you're a UK citizen. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. down to residency. And, right. you know, we would have to uplift everything. Mm. Ryan would need a visa that's six months, that's $8,000. You know, straight away. He'd need shoes. Oh, the jandals. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's such Long a beach. <laughs> Long pants. <laughs> proper shoes. Like, he's such a beach. You know, you all are. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... And I think that, um, I think people maybe say, well, so what? You learn to adapt. Yeah you do but is that how you want to live your life and that goes back to that can't um the 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 treatment is life prolonging not life-saving yeah and that so that is at the core of yeah and that they're you know (coughs) we're choosing to live yeah exactly the best that we can and we're choosing to be the best parents we can and some may agree with us and some may not but you know until you until you walk in someone else's shoes it's really hard to understand all of the aspects yes exactly around making these decisions 100%. but the core is always being a mum and you know from your own experiences that that just governs everything that you do and that's how we live our lives it is if there was one piece of advice that you could give to Ruby right now that could carry her through the rest of her life what would it be be kind always be kind I think it's a driver that you can't go far wrong with be kind and I also think that I mean hopefully I'll be here to 
guide her for many years to come but I um I would say that if I'm if I'm not here that I I want her to cherish the beautiful life that we built for her and to not use my absence as a reason to not fulfill her life um you know we we worked hard to give her the best of what we could with what we've got yeah. and she's got um a life to fill and i hope that she goes on to do that well, you should be really proud of yourselves thank you <laughs>